0: Raptors fans, it's another episode of Raptors Review. Ben, we're going to recap a 3 and 3 week dive into Scotty Barnes' ascendance. Big question mark there. But first off, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. It's a beautiful Sunday. Had a great weekend, recovered from some health issues this week, so feeling feeling good. You know when you always get sick, you you always take it for granted when you're healthy and then you feel crummy and you bounce back and you're like, "Ah, this is what it's like to feel alive again." It's a good yes, feeling. It is. I'm glad you're doing better
0: from your multitude of health issues. Something that may not have helped your health issues, though, maybe actually precipitated them. The Raptors started this two week uh, set of games here by losing to the Portland Trail Blazers, 91 to 99. That probably got you into your feelings. That probably made you ill.
1: Whoa. There was Locked a lot of angst. Right. There yeah. was a lot of angst after that game. Oh, that was. One of the most ugly losses in the in my memory of Raptors basketball. This team has been through some tough times. Like we suffered through the Bargnani era of Raptors basketball. There's there's been ugly basketball in history, but in recent memory, like before we were losing like the tank year in Tampa. It's like we were tanking for a purpose. Let's get Scotty Barnes. We're trying to win. We lose to one of the worst teams in the league, Scoot Henderson, rookie point guard for Portland looked pretty bad. Like he's had a tough start and now he's hurt. This team is not built to win and the Raptors just could not score against them. It was yeah Yeah, it was a shit show. They're they're not built
0: to win. Scoot Henderson like oozes talent but he's he's putting it together still makes a lot of rookie mistakes shooting seems to be a weakness but you can see the flashes there. And, yeah, losing to this team is is an abomination. Like especially like you're trying. the Raptors were just flat. they They didn't come out with the required energy. They, like, they're not skilled enough to take these teams for granted. They need to play hard every game, And I don't
1: think they played hard enough against Portland, yeah. on like on the flip side, I'd say like if we zoom out the last two weeks, the Raptors went three and three in these two weeks yeah. had some good wins over the mavs who have been a solid team to start the year they took them out pretty pretty easily say i would say that was a comfortable win against the mavs luka got whatever he wanted but the mavs had no answer for the raptors yeah that was
0: definitely their best win of the season i would say it was is beating the mavs away Um, But let's quickly walk through the rest of these games here. So after Portland, the Raptors, I was all like doom and despair. Nope, they slapped around the Milwaukee Bucks, 130 to 111. I think that game was more about the Bucks than the Raptors, with the Bucks just not playing defense. The Raptors shot really well as well, but that was just... Though the Bucks did not bring it that night. And there's some there's some alarming things going on as far as Adrian Griffin is concerned with that team. So I took more away from that game as being like that was a Bucks loss rather than a than a Raptors win. I don't know how you felt if you if you agree with that.
1: It's to some extent. Like I think the Raptors played well. But yeah, they did. The, yeah. the Bucks are a mess to start the season. Yeah. There's a lot of people calling for Adrian Griffin to be fired. And we're like 10 games into the season. Are people really
0: calling for him to be fired? Or are they just saying he's not doing a good job?
1: No, there's, there's legitimately... I've seen <laughs> a lot of tweets about Adrian yeah, Griffin. Yeah, are, the, are these upset Bucks box fans ability.
0: or are these like NBA writers? <laughs> it's both. It's both. There's, there's a lot of NBA people... NBA writers like, calling for Adrian Griffin to be fired 10 games into not, his first season. No, Not that's explicitly. That's not a, seri- that's it's not a more, serious opinion. Yeah, people. he's doing a bad job. Yeah, he's doing a bad job.
1: You know, everything on Twitter is reactionary and meant to get clicks. So you're, you're, uh, things are a bit hyperbolic. But bit. this this looks like a Nate Bjorkren situation all over Grent. And this, like, the track record of Raptors coaches, I guess um, Chris Finch was, like, kind of a Raptors Not coaching really, tree. He was you... with the Raptors for a couple months before he got... He had, he had a cup of night. coffee with Nick Nurse. The, with the <laughs> yeah, come on. But, like, Adrian Griffin and Nate Bjorkren getting obliterated as head coaches and you know maybe adrian griffin turns this around yeah it's 10 games let's not react but not not a good start not a good start. rookie
0: head coaches often do a lot of stuff it has to be egregiously bad to get fired in your first year or after your first year like nate bjorkman give it some time he's probably come in and has all the schemes that he wants to do he's going to realize that they don't work and he's going to go back to
1: doing like what bud was doing and they'll be they'll be fine but the thing is here, like this team doesn't have much time or margin for error here. Like they could not make the playoffs the way things are going, and I don't think that's going to happen. But like this is a team that's built to win right now. Dame is only going to be getting older. Giannis yes. is near thirty, and like a player that does rely on his athleticism, I, I yes, have questions I, about how Giannis the, is going to age season
0: this season. They're five and four like it's not you know they're not the Memphis Grizzlies here come on
1: yeah they're they're not but this is a team that has serious title aspirations and if you're not at the top of the east it's it's going to be a tough road to the finals and like you definitely want home court advantage and like there's no chance they're gonna ever catch up to the Celtics. The Celtics team is a regular season juggernaut, but like they're like, they're like
0: two games behind the Celtics. Come on. There's
1: there is I'm just saying it. There's <laughs> no chance any team in the East is catching the Celtics. Like Philly's ahead the, of them. <laughs> this for the rest of the regular season, this team is built to just destroy the regular season. They're so deep and talented, like I, Aaron, I don't need to like the standings right now. There's like, yeah, there's a ton of time left to play. I'm projecting to what's going to happen this season, and the Celtics are going to crush it. So like, you're going to be have not home court advantage against them, and if they're the first seed, then you're looking at like you're playing them either in the second round or you have to play Philly in the second round. It's going to be tough. All I'm saying is the East is going to be really tough, and I the Bucks don't look good, so they need to get. The ship sorted out pretty it's, quickly, I think. If they nine games, if they're five hundred after twenty-five games, how like what do you think the chances are of Adrian Griffin getting fired? Zero, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. I think there's going to be panic buttons going off in that. If organization. they're five hundred
0: at the at the All Star break, yeah, I think there might be some panicking going on. But you know, Dame has missed a couple of games. You know, Chris Middleton's getting back and he's playing like 20 minutes a game, right? They have, they've had a lot of roster turnover. Their coach is getting, you know, bearings under them. Like, be patient, be patient. Um, I think there's game,
1: alarm bells going off there is all I'm saying.
0: Uh, there's some red flags for sure, but especially as far as the defense is concerned. But uh, let's let's move forward to the next game. The Raptors started a long road trip here. They... Uh, they played the Philadelphia 76ers again. They lost that one 99 to 114. I thought the Raptors played pretty well here. They just had no answer for Embiid or and Maxi. They they're they're too good. They they outclassed the Raptors in this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, the Raptors put up a good fight. The score doesn't make it look like it was a close game, but I thought the Raptors were yeah. battling, keeping it within 10 for most of the game. Like they yeah. made the 76ers sweat a little bit. Uh, yeah they got beat by a better team
0: <laughs> now now that we've seen the Philadelphia 76ers twice to me it reads like Nick Nurse is doing a great job there they they've sort of ignored the Harden stuff they played well throughout there they probably should they probably should be a no right now with especially with how opening and night went so you know i'm uh, i i feel like my take on Nick Nurse is being an excellent head coach you know there's some evidence to back that up outside of Toronto um, more yeah. evidence that he was not—he was not the problem last year. Probably that doesn't mean it wasn't time to move on, but I don't think—I don't think you can just blame stuff on Nick Nurse uh, anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I think that has to me—that's always been pretty clear that Nick Nurse is a good coach, so it yeah. was never really a question mark. But yeah, Philly Raptors, Philly is fans, though. Really good.
0: Raptors yeah. fans though. Raptors fans though. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey making a leap uh, for sure. Better Next game, hard
1: and interesting.
0: this game maybe close to the Chicago game in terms of how wild it was. The Raptors beat San Antonio 123 to 116 in overtime. They were down by, I think, 19 in the fourth quarter in this game and somehow came back uh, through hitting a lot of shots, you know, weird turnovers. Wemby had had secured the rebound for, to to win the game. They were they're were up by two. And Chetty Osmond strips his own teammate of the ball, and it goes to OG Ananobi, who, who puts a floater in to, to beat the buzzer to send it to overtime. Just weird stuff happened. Luckily for the Raptors, they were on the receiving end of, of that luck, and uh, they, they pulled this one out. But for the majority of the game, it looked like the Spurs were the far superior team, which is kind of alarming because – they're not great.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Raptors didn't have a great game, but that fourth quarter from Scotty Barnes yeah. was a master class. There was that one was...
0: play where he, he got an offensive rebound and just put Sohan under the basket and dunked on him. And it was like, Holy shit, like Sohan's not a small dude. So like that was that was an impressive play for sure.
1: Yeah, that was right after taking a step back three. Yeah, <laughs> and like he he was just feeling himself. And that was the best quarter was, of his career. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it felt like he was asserting himself as a star and like the leader of this team in that game. He just put the team on his back and was like, "We're not losing." It it was really impressive, and he absolutely stuffed the statue in that game. He had thirty points, eleven rebounds, six assists. Five threes, three steals, three blocks, and only three turnovers. Like, he, he was just a monster. And obviously, he hasn't replicated that performance in every game. But it, it gives you, we wanted to see signs of superstardom from Scotty, And that was absolutely a sign of, like, this is, if he puts it all together, this is the kind of performance that he's capable of. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll talk more about that later. But Ben, the real superstar of this game, Wemby in the first half.
1: Scotty outplayed him in this game.
0: Wemby in the first half, though, he he altered everything, doing stuff on offense. Like I, I said it before, I'll say it again: this is the most talent anyone has ever had for for basketball in the in the history of the game. And you know, there there's been some a lot of ups and downs, some really bad games, some really good ones from him. I think we're going to continue to see that through the rookie year. And I don't really expect the Spurs to be relevant, but the way that they become relevant is Wemby just becoming more consistent, and that is that is something that should be terrifying everyone in the league because it's. It, I think it's unclear yet how you stop him.
1: Yeah, and this is like Wemby's career is going to be so fascinating because, just like already we're already talking about like could he be the greatest player ever, and. You know, the the talent is clearly there. I think the only concern that I have with his game is, like, does he have the playmaking of the other great superstar? Like, to, to be, like, the best player ever, it's like, you know, you have to be better than LeBron. Like, that's, that's my bar for best player ever. And so far, Wemby's at, like, two assists and three and a half turnovers a game. Like, is he going to be able to distribute the ball or is he going to be on offense is he going to be more of like a kd type player where he's just yeah, shooting over that was, everybody?
0: that was my thing now if you watch if you actually watch the games he's a good passer he just doesn't look to pass that often it's not that he can't pass he, he has great vision it's just that most of the time when he gets the ball he's looking to shoot and that's fine for right now i'm not worried about the playmaking in the long run my concern is can he can he like demand double teams on the perimeter? You know, can he be a mismatch that way in terms of if you guard him with like Tobias Harris, can he destroy Tobias Harris to the point where you're you know you have to trap him and you know at the end of games he can just take that shot anyways, right? So, like like that is that is sort of where the peak limitation of his game might be that might he might be more of a one on one mismatch kind of scorer as opposed to. You know the like how you stir the drink. I don't, that that remains to be seen, but I think he doesn't even have to be that good on offense because he could he could be the greatest defender of all time just with the amount of space and his anticipation. What he can do on defense is is just no one's ever been close to that kind of, that level of ability, and he's he's learning on that end. He's making lots of mistakes. But his ability to recover and read is, is just is something else, and so I'm excited. I think the Spurs and his teammates and everything, also they're not they're not they really know how to use him yet, because and so like w- when you get that more familiarity, the coaching staff knows what he can do. They can iron out their schemes and and the roles that that Wemby can fill. It's relatively unique, so I think there's a bit of a learning curve for his teammates and his coaches as well. And once those things get get fixed he's going to be even more destructive on
1: that end. Yeah. The defensive potential is, is kind of absurd. Like you have to think he's due for, if his career pans out the way we hope he's due for about like 10 defensive player of the year awards. <laughs> yeah, Like it's going to be, it's going to be bonkers. Cause like by, by next year, I think he, he could be the best defensive player. I'm not ready to give him that this year. No, definitely there not. Are this year. Still lots yeah. of mistakes, but like even in that Raptors game, when he's on the court, it's just like they can't go near the basket. Um, yeah. It's like Gobert levels of rim protection are almost there already, and he's more mobile than Gobert. Like he can I, guard I, on
0: the perimeter like easily. Yeah. Like he's, I actually think that's what he's best at. You put him on Steph Curry in the corner, right? Steph's just got to pass the ball out. There's nothing he can do. He can't get a shot off, right? Like that that to me is what his greatest strength right now is. You can't you can't shoot over him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there was a a pretty hilarious clip of OG after the game just chuckling (laughs) when he got asked about trying to take... Wemby under the basket.
0: (laughs) He's too tall. He's way too tall.
1: (laughs) He just like shrugged his shoulders and laughed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I think there's going to be a lot of players that have those kind of Wemby moments of just like discovering. I know Andrew Wiggins had a couple in the preseason where he tried to drive on him and is like, oh, no, I'll take a fadeaway. Oh, no, that got a race too. Like just stuff like that. It's going to happen a lot. And NBA players are going to learn eventually, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so let's let's jump ahead here to the Celtics game. We talked a little bit about the Mavs game already. In the Celtics game, I don't know if there's a lot to be said here. To me, this was they're just drawing dead in this matchup. Like, basically, the expected result. The Raptors got yeah. obliterated, one seventeen to ninety four. I thought the starters competed pretty well with the Celtics, but it's the fall off with the bench units is just so big. Like the Celtics are already a great team for depth. And a, and there's like there's very little drop off when you go to their bench for the Raptors there's there's a cliff there and so those bench units just bled points um, and yeah like this is this is a horrible matchup for the Raptors I think if they win against the Celtics this season I'd be surprised and like I said earlier the Celtics to me are a regular season juggernaut I still. I have questions about their ceiling as a team in the playoffs against the best competition, but they're going to win a ton of games this year.
0: So yeah, especially if they stay healthy like they are now, there's just, there's not a team in the East that can compete with them. Maybe the Sixers on a good night, but even then I'd pretty, pretty heavily favor the Celtics and I, yeah, what I like, the, why are they, why are the Raptors drawing dead? Because the Celtics are big, they're switchable, they have lots of, lots of wings to guard the Raptors' wings and, and Pascal and Scotty, prevent them from getting the rim, make their, make their jump shots tough. They did, they did exactly that. They switched everything. They were putting Drew Holiday on Purtle and Scotty. Just like they have this new scheme where if you put if you put Drew Holiday on a big, they can't they can't post him up, and then if you're switching, well, then you're just getting to like the matchups that you wanted to avoid in the first place. So I, that that to me is a really clever wrinkle that they've thrown out there, and seems to really work against uh, against you know teams that don't have bigs that can punish Drew Holiday in the post.
1: Yeah, and and there's no one on one mismatch for the Raptors to exploit. Nope. It's like it's the polar opposite of the Dallas Mavericks game where like Siakam could just <laughs> feast inside and like on everyone the, the yeah. Mavs refuse to double team him and it's just like okay Scotty or like Siakam goes one on one, spins around his guy, gets in a yeah. layup uh, yeah. just over and over again. <laughs> and the Celtics, it's like the Raptors have such a hard time getting any good looks in that matchup. And to me, so like the Raptors' record now is four and five and it really feels like the Raptors against bad defenses look like a good team because their defense is always going to be solid to excellent. And then their offense looks okay against bad defenses. But then as soon as they go against a good defense, their offense crumbles and they're still a good defensive team, but it's just like, it's so hard to score enough points to win those games. And so it's just like, does the other team have a good defense? Then I think the Raptors are not favored in the matchup. If they have a bad defense, I think the Raptors can beat even some good teams like the Dallas Mavericks. I think like the Raptors might have an edge there because all of a sudden their offense looks good. But it, I feel like this is like trending towards uh, like a 500 type team.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I my my takeaway is that they they are who I was expecting them to be. Like they're they're competent. You know, they have good some decent veteran players. You know, Scotty improving helps helps quite a bit. But what you said is exactly right. And I I'll, I'll go a step further in that even against some bad defensive teams, if they can protect the rim, the Raptors are also in trouble. And I think we saw that against the Blazers where, you know, they had Aiden out there and they couldn't do anything in the paint against that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it really is like rim protection. And then, you know, the Raptors are going to have some nights where the threes go in, but I think typically you'd bet against that happening because this isn't a great shooting team. And so, yeah, you know, they're going to have some lucky nights, but overall it's going to be tough when there's rim protection.
0: Just to give an update, we're now nine games through the season, so small sample size. Uh, Take this with mountains of salt. But they are a bottom five offensive rating, top 10 defensive rating, bottom five three-point shooting team. What's different than last year is that they're now a bottom ten turnover team, and it was same as last year, they're bottom two in in pace. So, you know, like the, this team, you change the coaching staff, but the way for this team to succeed, is, is, the path is still the same, and you can get there. You can get there in a different way, but not that different. And you know, this team really isn't that different from last year. It's just probably a little bit worse, but. Ben, yeah. I want to talk about something that happened near the end of the Boston Celtics game. With around uh, less than four minutes to go, this game is a blowout. The team's benches are on. Uh, you know, there's a play where ball gets tipped out of bounds. The refs call it uh, for the Raptors. It was clearly off the Raptors, and so the Celtics challenge. And then there's a little, I don't know, dust up. I don't know, words exchanged at, at half court between... Darko and, and Dennis Schroeder towards the Celtics you know I think they were thinking it was unsportsmanlike for the the Celtics to challenge uh to challenge a call with the game sort of already decided what did you think of that
1: you know what like I th- I think they have a point it was like a 30 point blowout but also just like you know just play basketball like This is similar to me to those situations where a team freaks out about a player going for a layup when they've stopped playing defense. Yeah. It's like, you know, just just play play to the whistle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just play, (laughs) play defense to the whistle. If the other team's still trying, you keep trying. Like, yeah. You know, I I don't. Why why
0: should they give up and let you score on one end and then you get mad when they try on the other end? Right. Like, I've never understood that.
1: Yeah. And we saw this a little bit in the, um, the, the in-season tournament games where point differential does matter a lot as tiebreaker. a tiebreaker yeah. and at the end of the game there's players like that were starting to dribble at the clock and their teammates were yelling at them to shoot the ball because it's like this the point differential matters and i think the teams should be you know generally taking that approach to every game until like the last possession when there's like you know I so think I just think the, the, the
0: last track. minute is is kind of i think if you're under a minute where there's like one or two possessions left I think then it's kind of like it's sportsman it's sportsmanship to run out the clock. I don't think you're required to, but I think it's good sportsmanship to let it run out. But before that, like there, you know, the the guys that are at the end of the bench are getting minutes that they don't often get. Like let them play. Like they, they need to show the coaches what they got, right? They want to it's a, it's a debut for them. It's a chance for them to, you know, potentially, you know, Put a resume together to get another contract to stick in the league to end up on another team. Like these minutes matter to these guys, and sort of expecting them to not try, and the coaching staff not to support them. I think is is I don't know. It's just, it's yeah. childish and immature for the Raptors to re, to have reacted the way that they did there.
1: Yeah, I don't think they should care. Yeah, it, it felt a little silly to me. Need needless drama, but you know. Yes. Whatever's going to fuel the fire for that next Celtics game, the Raptors are going to have this on like a bulletin board somewhere. Yeah, but
0: get mad at yourselves. Don't get mad at the Celtics. Like, I know.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's silly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but to me, it's just like, okay, yeah, take this ass whooping, remember it, but like starting this drama with the Celtics, that's just going to motivate them for the next game, you know, maybe maybe if you don't say anything, they take you for granted, and, and we're going to talk about their upcoming games uh, against the Celtics, but first, Ben, we have a bunch of emails to get to, and one concerning Scotty, read it to me, give, give me, I think this is Gavin's opinion
1: on on Scotty's performance so far. All right, so this email starts off with some stats. Giannis, year three, his per 36 numbers, 17.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 4.5 assists, an effective field goal percentage of 52%. Nikola Jokic in year three, his per, per 36 numbers, 20.5 points, 11.8 rebounds. Geez, he had 11.8 rebounds in year three. This guy's a monster. Almost seven assists and an effective field goal percentage of 55%. <laughs> Def, year three. 18, <laughs> almost 19 points, four rebounds, seven assists. This feels like a really different cop. Uh, 58% effective field goal percentage. Scotty year three, 21 and a half points, 10.4 rebounds, six assists, an effective field goal percentage of 55%. This was before the Celtics game, which he really struggled from the field in. <laughs> he really did. And this is I so this Doesn't is through, <laughs> This is through. Eight games versus the whole season sample size for these other players. I'm just going to note that comparison. So let's get to the bulk of the email here. Scotty's breakout season is here, and he's on track to become a top 10 player in the next two years. Scotty's performance this season has been nothing short of astonishing. Even (laughs) massive homer optimists like Ben didn't see this coming, and I think we all need to recalculate about what this means for the team moving forward. I don't know if I... Am I a massive homer optimist? I'm just going to stop the email right there. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I think I'm a reasonable homer. Um, okay, I'll continue. How does rebuilding look different knowing now that our championship window may be a lot closer than we thought? We have to get Scotty some help, and I think the Raptors should be using this season and next to position themselves to scap- capitalize on Scotty's age 25 or 26 season. With this in mind, what do you think the team should do? I originally favored a full rebuild and trading everything for picks to start over. Now I think we can't move OG. He's only 20 sec- 26, and he'll likely be 29 to 30 when Scotty needs 3 and D guys to push this team over the top. What do you think? What moves should the Raptors make to best support Scotty in winning his first championship two to three years from now? His from Gavin, not the team's. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I got a lot to say here. First, like
0: this statistical comparison is... Um, is it's flawed, it's deeply flawed. Giannis came in, uh, like I think a full almost two years younger than Scotty, so <laughs> their year three, Giannis is going to be more physically raw. Um, and you know, like you said, this is a season versus eight games, and also these players have been in the league for a long time now, and the league was just a lot less uh offensively efficient than it is now, and you know, the pace is up, all the offense is up across the board, so. You know, their numbers then were a lot more impressive against the competition than Scotty's numbers are now. I do agree, though. I think Scotty has drastically improved, but I I think where he's improved, I know we've talked about this uh, not on the podcast, is athletically. He looks stronger than he did before. His balance is much better. He's able to play harder throughout the game. He's in better shape. I think that's been the biggest difference that I see being able to maintain going forward. And that's a big difference. That makes him much better on defense and offense. He can punish mismatches much easier than he could last year. I think that's a meaningful improvement. Does it change the trajectory for the franchise? I don't know if the leap is quite there. So I did some digging here, Ben. Scotty Barnes, uh, his per 36, and comparing it to his previous two seasons, the biggest difference is that he's now uh, he's now attempting 5.7 threes whereas the previous season he averaged 3. So he's almost doubling his three point attempts and and that that is really encouraging. He's shooting 35% which again small sample size 8 games. He looks more confident. I don't know how much to buy into that, but that is the biggest difference. Otherwise, it's just all his stuff like his usage has gone up. He's he's averaging less than an assist more per 36 than than the previous year. You know the the shooting percentages from two aren't really any different. He's averaging more turnovers, which again comes with higher usage and more um, more touches. But the biggest difference is just that he's taking more perimeter shots than he did uh, in the previous season. So I like offensively, I don't know how much there is to actually get excited about. But I think certainly, in terms of the way he looks physically and sort of what that's been doing on defense, I think I think that that is sort of where the biggest improvement goes. But, I'm not thinking Scotty Barnes is going to lead us to a championship in the next two, three, two or three years. I don't know. How, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, as much as I am a massive homer optimist, like the, the growth on offense and defense has been really encouraging. But to get to that offensive superstar status that he's going to have to get to for this current Raptors roster construction to have a chance at being competitive it's gonna require another big leap. And those are really tough to project and a totally expect.
0: different leap, right? Like yeah. okay, let's say he becomes a, a decent shooter. That's a huge step, right? But that's still not being one of the best offensive creators in the league, right? That just means yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. defenses it's, have to guard it, you, right? So he,
1: it would be tr- it would be like a transformational leap. That's something that we haven't seen from him as a player, except in brief flashes. But even like even the flashes we see of offensive dominance it's It's exploiting mismatches or like hitting threes. You know, like he's hitting shots and and bullying someone under the basket. It's not just like consistently creating good offense for his team for a whole game. It's like right now, Darko is using Scotty with the bench lineups. And those lineups have been performing terribly. Part of that is, like, there's very few weapons off the bench for Scotty to like utilize as as a like a pseudo point forward. But, it's like he's not able to elevate those lineups in the same way that like a prime Kyle Lowry was able to put him out with basically any lineup. And yeah. Kyle Lowry would be getting decent looks and like efficient play from those groups. Like Scotty's not even at that, that level and Kyle Lowry was never like a top 15 player. Um, so there, there's still a lot of ways to go for Scotty. And I, I, I question whether he'll ever be that number one offensive player. I don't know if that's in the cards for him. Like it's, it's really hard to expect that transformational jump. I think he could absolutely be a top 15 player in the league, but that doesn't mean he's like a top 10, top 15 offensive player, right? Like the defensive side of the ball is I think where I'm most excited for him. And that's where he's taken with his athleticism. He's taken the biggest leap on defense so far this year. Like he's, He's averaging two blocks a game, which has jumped from 0.8 last season. You know, like, those things are really exciting. But yeah, this, it, they need some offensive help, and I don't think there's anyone on this roster that is going to do anything that's going to help them offensively in terms of taking that load as the number one guy. Like, Siakam's yeah. not that guy. <laughs> Grady Dick is going to be a nice role player offensively, but I don't think he's has any type of potential in that regard. Uh, Maybe it's Marquise Noel. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I think you said he was not an NBA player. Um, Yeah. So I don't want to sound like I'm too down on Scotty. I I think before this season, I was too low on Scotty, you know, based on last year. Right. The lack of improvement from the rookie year to the second year. You know he didn't he just he didn't really get better. But this season, you know, in the off season, he clearly put in the work and he's better physically. and that that matters a lot. Like now I clearly see him as being a valuable player that contributes to winning. I was unsure of that before the season. but this nine game stretch, which is how he's looked physically, has changed my mind on that. I think he's going to be like in almost any situation he's going to contribute to winning, especially if he can space the floor a little bit or at least not not be uh, a guy you don't need to guard on the perimeter. So, yeah, I think I think his career is looking a lot better. I I don't know if I see that superstar potential that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so okay, if I think we're you know I think we're just degrees of separation different here. Like I I see top fifteen potential, which to me is superstar potential, but like it's still like you know not offensively. And so yeah. yeah. So what does that mean for this team in terms of like how, like Gavin's question of what moves should the Raptors make to best support Scotty winning a championship well, in two to three I, years? Is that even think, possible? Is there anything no, this team I, can do?
0: No. And and I think I'm still in favor of the rebuild. I think just now with the way Scotty's looked, he's he's clearly a piece to build around going forward, but he is one piece, right? And, from this team, Grady Dick looks like he's going to be a rotation a rotation piece, if not maybe a little bit, maybe a starter, and sort of on a competitive championship level team in a few years. But outside of that, like, is anyone on this team destined to be part of a championship rotation for the Raptors? I would I would say that for all of them, more likely not than yes, and for some guys, like definitely no. So, well,
1: they, I think they, OG is the other guy that.
0: He's going to be a free agent. You can trade him and get stuff back, but you don't, you don't have control over him.
1: That's the thing. But like with
0: Pascal, right. (laughs) Right? But
1: let's say OG. So like, I I think the Raptors have probably have the best understanding out of anyone about like what OG's feelings are towards the team. And if they're going to match any, any salary that he can get in the summer. But what if he just, what if he
0: just wants to leave because he wants to leave? Right.
1: Well, then you absolutely need to trade him, right? Yeah, but but, I'm, like, but, but like let's I'm saying say that's a
0: chance too, right? So
1: for sure, but like I think there's probably like they have a good relationship with OG. I, I think you're you're having those conversations for the trade deadline. Yeah, OG loves Toronto. Like you know, does he, he love does...
0: this? Does he love this front office though? There's been the one player that there's been rumors about not sort of not being happy with his role has been OG Ananobi.
1: Yeah, I think that's all been kind of like random bullshit from his agent trying to leverage like more touches maybe
0: maybe but maybe it's real too right we like we don't know i'm just saying okay
1: this this front office like you know they have to they have to judge that before Mm -hmm. the trade deadline and to have conversations with og it's like look like you know you're gonna be a free agent we want to keep you here like if we match money for like whatever any other team offers you would you stay here and if the answer is no like because og is gonna get 35 million 40 million a year like he's going to be getting paid this summer yeah I like Philadelphia is in position to have max money and yeah they're rumored to like OG would be a great fit there I don't want
0: to say that like OG's not a piece he obviously is I'm just saying that he's not a piece that you have control of in the next few years you hope that you can keep him yeah but that doesn't mean that you can't Right,
1: right, but I guess like would you would you pay him that money and keep him around? Like, does it make sense to do that and give him thirty five, forty million a year? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it probably
0: does because I think I think on that salary he would still be a positive asset and you could get stuff back for trading on for trading him. So yeah, I I think I would try to extend him if I could, but that doesn't mean that you can, not right? So. You know, in terms of things that like people you do have team control over, I think you have two guys that that look projecting forward in the next three years that you know you have team control over who are going to be winning players. Like, if you need a lot more, you need a lot more than that. So, I'm I'm of the opinion that the Raptors should be rebuilding and should have been doing that for the past couple of years as well. So, yeah, I, I mean. I don't really see a way for a way forward for this team as currently constructed.
1: Well, they have Pirtle under team control for the next <laughs> few years.
0: Yeah. He's been, he's been looking like a pretty mediocre starting center in the league. Not, yeah. not excited to, have, and he's, he's a huge limiter in offense. He hasn't been that good on defense. I, Pirtle hasn't had a great season so far.
1: No, and, but I think part of the problem is this team also, you know, it's not playing to Pirtle's strength. So often he's for diving sure. to the rim and there's already another player there. Um, yeah. And yeah. this is there, like...
0: Pirtle is not setting up other Raptors for success and other Raptors are not setting up Pirtle for success. Yeah. Yeah, it, this is me, not good.
1: The biggest question is the Siakam-Scotty debate. Can these guys function together? And like when Scotty has flourished, Siakam's been quiet. Siakam had a yeah. big game against the Mavs. Scotty had a pretty quiet game there. It's like, can these guys both play well at the same time? No,
0: because they and, do a lot of the same thing.
1: Yeah. And, it seems like a real problem. And yeah. that if that's the case, and if the front office reaches that conclusion, I think you have to trade Pascal. And it doesn't really matter what you can get for him. Like you might, you might, you're not gonna get, you know, a hundred. Cents on the dollar you probably you're gonna have to take a discount but like you have to trade him because he's also a free agent this summer for sure and you know he by all accounts wants to stay in toronto i think he
0: wants to stay in toronto because he thinks he's gonna go to supermax and i mean after nine games
1: you know i I think (laughs) that that that
0: ship has gets kind of sailed i think
1: yeah there's there's no chance of a supermax but i also think there's a human element here like i I do genuinely think these Raptors players, oh, Toronto's love, a great, love Toronto. yeah. And, and so it's like, I think, you know, if if the money's all the same, like their families are here, they're they're established here. Like Pascal's been here his whole career. It's like, you know, he probably would love to stay here for the rest of his career. But when it's a competitive sport and you're trying to win basketball games, you have to do what's right for the franchise in the long term. And I think, that's probably gonna have to be a, a Pascal trade at some point this season. I
0: totally, totally agree. I think it should have been last season. So, um, do
1: you think that actually happens this season? Like no. What are, what are the chances of Pascal getting traded before the deadline?
0: I don't think any. I don't think he really fits well on winning teams, and I don't think winning teams are going to be offering up what the Raptors think Pascal is worth. And so I think there's going to be the whole Kyle Lowry situation again, where they end up not I've trading him. Situation. Well, he either leaves in free agency or it's a sign in trade, and they get maybe a pittance back. So I think I think that's where this this Siakam situation is headed. If I was a winning team, I just, I just want no part of Pascal. Like he he's he doesn't help on offense because you can't space the floor. And if you're a winning team, you already have good players in offense. He's not going to be better than them. And then you're also going to have to pay him a boatload of money in the offseason as his career presumably declines. So I, I'm out on him as, as a winning player at this point.
1: Yeah, but Aaron, there's some franchises here that don't have a track record of making the best moves. You know, there's, there's teams that are... Winning ones? Interested in, like, who cares about, like, it, you don't have to trade him to a winning team.
0: Right, but but who is it going to be? If a team is rebuilding, they're not going to be interested in Pascal. No, right?
1: Atlanta is the team that has been rumored yeah. for a while now to be interested in. Siakam. With the
0: rise of Jalen Johnson, do they do they want do they want Siakam?
1: Sure, why not?
0: I don't know, well, but what are they going to give up? Right, they're not going to give up Jalen Johnson. Maybe you get the you know the Griffin kid. I don't know. Yeah, like,
1: Griffin and Dejon uh, I'm sorry, DeAndre Hunter. You get a, you get a poo-poo platter. Clint, yeah Clint and Tavolo, a couple they picks. move off of his salary yeah. maybe i mean i
0: i would i've been on the record i would do that trade
1: yeah like, I, like if i
0: was the raptors i would 100 percent do that trade but that's I don't the thing. know. If, like you're, I don't you're think gonna to,
1: have to take a shit but that, sandwich but that
0: raptors that. the raptors haven't done that trade right that that says a lot right yeah
1: but I, I think part of that is you know wanting a larger sample size of seeing how these players play together with scotty's growth can he find ways to like make it work and and you know and i think we both the, we're both in agreement think, on the answer to that it's just but don't you think i can the, see them wanting to wait till the deadline to make a decision
0: but i think part of it is also well, like the i think the atlanta situation with jalen johnson has meaningfully changed for them and if i was them i you know pascal siakam may, may have made sense in the offseason but the way the season has gone maybe not anymore so I I
1: don't think Siakam's slow start to the season has changed his trade value. No,
0: I'm I'm not saying that. I'm saying other team situations with how their players have developed changes whether they actually need him or not. So, yeah,
1: yeah, he's still a really good player. That like I think if you're a team that feels like you're on the cusp, Siakam is like a great, a good, really good defensive player, and you know, offensively, he does some really nice things as well. I think you can talk yourself into it but I like I'm in agreement with you I don't think you're going to get a great haul back for him but there's some team that it's like we'll see it's like if the value is low enough and it's only like one or two picks and like a young asset maybe that's you know not too much of a sacrifice because we're seeing these like later first round picks I I think teams are valuing them less and less for sure Um, yeah and, and so you know you can talk yourself into It's so, okay. Our, our picks are going to be pretty shitty mid to late 20s. And like that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. For so sure. I don't know. I, I, I'd say if I had to bet, I, I think there's like, I'd say it's about 50 50 that it gets traded at the deadline. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll, I think it's less likely that he does.
0: Um, I guess it's, it's hard to make a bet around that if you're 50 50
1: yeah, but, like I, i'm not I, I'm not confident it's going to happen., I, like, I don't think we have to place a bet here, but you know, I think there's a there's a real chance. okay. and I, I'm less less high on that. we'll We'll note that, but not not make a bet on it.
0: All right, Ben, let, let's keep plowing through these emails. I'll grab this one. Um, this is from Alex, uh, our God. Um, watching through the season so far and listening to your last episode, I have to say you've missed the forest through the trees with the Scotty Pascal debate. OG is the best player on this 2023-24 Raptors. Offensively, his game fits everywhere, and he's one of the best players in the league. Defensively, last year I couldn't understand why why we wouldn't trade role player for the first three or for three first round picks. This year, I think OG is showing himself to be an All Star, and most importantly, is showing himself to be an All Star that doesn't need the team to be built around him. He can plug and play anywhere and be the second best, be the second best player on the court. If you traded the second best player from any title contender for OG, I think they would get significantly better. Boston would trade Jalen Brown in a heartbeat for someone who can dribble with their left hand and defend. Phoenix would look like an NBA team with OG on the court.
1: Instead uh, of <laughs> Devin Booker or Kevin Durant?
0: That, that's what this email says, Ben. I'm just reading it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: OKC might be able to hide defensively behind the wall of muscle that OG brings. The Lakers would be much scarier with OG on the court and no AD on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Nick Nurse is squeezing every drop of defense he can get out of Maxi and would take OG in a heartbeat. I think the combination of lockdown defender and ability to be a real offensive threat on a team with no offense makes OG unquestionably a top 20 player in the league on a real team, maybe he's top 10. Masai knows what he has. I hope we get this guy a max before
1: we have to get him a super max. Uh, incredible email, incredible. Alex yeah. has done it again. He's done it again. The truly he's... hottest of takes. This guy yeah. only spits the hottest takes.
0: He spits fire for sure. Ben, the parts of this email that I agree with are that his offensive, offensively, his game fits everywhere because he can space the floor, and he's one of the best players in the league defensively. Um, that's the part of the email that I agree with. The rest of it, I think, I pretty vehemently disagree with. I, I'm assuming you're on the same page here,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the the issue here is, you know, as being a top five defender in the league, offense is just more valuable than defense. And so being a top five offensive player is is much more valuable than a top five defensive player. Like Rudy Gobert has been the best defensive player in the league for probably like five years, maybe longer than that. I don't know. Um but you know is his value is probably like maybe a top 30 player <laughs> and so like i think OG, it's less than that but yeah yeah I, I don't know like minnesota's looking pretty good right now um yeah you know you can you can debate that but yeah like that that just goes to show you if it's less than that that's really like how much less defense matters than offense and og is no more than a role player on offense. I think he's had a really good start to the season. He's a good
0: role player, but he's a role player.
1: Yeah, like he he still cannot consistently create his own offense and or create offense for others for that matter. And it's just like he's a he's a knockdown shooter. You get him open looks and it's it's good offense. But like someone has to get him those open looks, right? Yeah. And and that's the real problem is that offensive creation is You know, when you put him with another superstar, like, oh my God, like OG would get so many open threes next to Embiid and Maxi. Like it would be, it would be a fantastic fit, but you need him next to those players. Like you need those top 20 players in the league to create and unlock OG's potential. So it's just like, yeah, I think, I think Alex probably knows this email is a little silly, but I I love the email. (laughs) Yes. I I loved it too. Maybe one of the best we've had in, in a while.
0: Ben I got another one here for you another season and more NBA rivalries built around similar names we all know that real rivalries are born not of on-court tension or competitiveness but in fact the greatest NBA rivalries are forged in having somewhat similar names as other players the question will inevitably be asked who's the better so-and-so here are a few notable rivalries that I've uh, taken note of I want your opinions on who the better player is currently and who the better player will be in the future and Ben, I know we did this one and I'm just gonna I'm gonna bring it up again here. Mikhail Bridges versus Miles Bridges. I remember taking Mikhail Bridges and I remember you taking Miles Bridges. How do you feel about this now?
1: You know, I'm still on the Miles Bridges train. Nothing's gonna get me off his bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, this has an age twelve. You know, when I took <laughs> Miles Bridges, he was having a really hot start. He was dunking she Everything. Threes. This was maybe yeah. like two seasons ago now. Yeah. I don't think yeah. this was last year. I think this was season before. It was not last before. year. It was the season before. The uh, last this was a while ago. Started. Yeah. yeah. And since then, his career has really taken a hard left turn, and he's made lots of poor off-court decisions, and, you know... When you say off-court decisions, <laughs> domestic violence is a, it's an yeah. off-court decision, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, not...
1: Doesn't it's not like seem, he's made
0: bad investments, you know. It's a, yeah, more does, serious
1: than that. Doesn't seem like the greatest human being. So Yeah. Mikhail yeah. Bridges on the other hand, seems, seems like an great. awesome person. Yeah. <laughs> and a very good player on the court. And has really blossomed in the last couple of years and so yeah, I you know, I've been wrong before. This yep, isn't I mean, the first time. No. Uh, this one
0: would have been not close. In the last few years, but it's now pretty close. John Collins, newly uh, traded to the Utah Jazz, and Zach Collins, starting center for the San Antonio Spurs. No relation. He got here. Yeah, no relation at all. I don't think there's any, or, uh, any of these players related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like I've watched more John Collins. Like, Zach Collins has... You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the John Collins side of this. I'll let you explain if you think Zach Collins is better. John Collins, to me, is a more versatile offensive player, not as good defensively, but I kind of like his game. I haven't watched a single Utah game this year, so I don't know if he's struggling there or not, but historically, he's been a better player than Zach yeah, Collins. Yeah, he definitely has, but the reason why Zach Collins, why he's
0: been better is because Zach Collins has been hurt for pretty much his entire NBA career. Um I think healthy Zach Collins is a better player. He's he's bigger, you know, not quite as explosive, but he's probably better at defending the rim just because he's bigger and he he can do pretty much everything on offense at a decent level, including spacing, you know, you can he can step out at the three-point line and you kind of have to close out on him. He's got a good touch around the rim. He plays really hard. I like Zach Collins and I'm happy to see him be healthy and, you know, I think at this point he's probably a more valuable player than John Collins going forward. I don't know who I'd pick because you know I'm worried about the the injuries with Zach Collins, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, pretty low sample size of healthy play for Zach Collins. Yeah, yeah, totally agree there. Next one: Patrick Williams versus Zaire Williams. So these are two disappointing wing lottery picks. Um, what are your thoughts here? Patrick Williams is a power forward for the uh, for the Chicago Bulls, and Zaire Williams, I think, is the starting small forward for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies who are the worst team in the league apparently. So Ben, what are you what yeah. are you thinking here?
1: You know they both suck. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Patrick Williams has been the bigger disappointment because compared he's drafted to expectations. Like third or fourth, he's I drafted think. Drafted fourth. Yeah. yeah. Um and has never put it together offensively. He's been a very passive player throughout his career. Um, defensively he's solid but it just doesn't seem like he has an extra gear on offense to be aggressive and attack and uses athleticism on that end Um, so like versus expectations it's Patrick Williams I think Zaire Williams has you know he came into the NBA without an NBA body he's like one of the skinniest players in the league Um, it's kind of an open you know, looked like he could be an okay shooter, but hasn't really put it together either. But he's also like, he's 22. They're both still young and, you know, could, they could figure it out, but I'm not, I'm not high on either player.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll go that. I'll say Patrick Williams is the better player now and going forward, he will also be the better player. I, I think yeah. he's, he just has a lot more ways to succeed in the league than Zaire Williams does. Just given how,
1: you know, how much stronger he is and, better on defense he is so but he also proportionally is looking for a huge contract this summer he's in his fourth year yeah. so he's for <laughs> yeah. that rookie extension you know, fourth pick in yeah. the draft he wants like 20 he 30 won. million a season and he's yeah. right now he's averaging five and a half points a game so yeah you know take that for what you will yep i don't think he's gonna get that
0: <laughs> Yeah. But we'll see. Crazier things have happened. Next one: Brandon Miller versus Leonard Miller. Um, if you don't follow the NBA super hardcore, you won't know who these players are because they're both rookies. Brandon Miller is the um, the number two pick in the draft. draft. Yeah, number two, mur- number two pick of the draft, murder assist guy that's on the the Hornets, and Le- Leonard Miller is a Canadian out of the G League Ignite that is on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So.
1: I, I mean, think he's still playing in the G League, though. Like, I don't think he's on. The yeah, but he's, no, but he's he's part of that franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, a second round pick. So you yeah, have a second overall pick versus a second round pick. I know what I'm taking here, so I'm gonna go. Yeah, with Brandon Miller. <laughs> it's not this really is, a fair comparison. This is
1: a so. tough comparison. I, I yeah. have heard there's really good buzz about Leonard Miller, and I think he fell on draft night because of some random injury concerns that I don't know if they're real Pe- Minnesota is really high on him in his future but Brandon Miller has been a very good rookie for Charlotte he's a really good shooter he's like six eight six nine has good length uh he he seems like he's going to be a really solid player so Brandon Miller so far is what he says he's by a mile there was
0: good buzz around Leonard Miller I think there's probably bad buzz around brandon miller but that's more because of his team so
1: yeah is on the court he's looked pretty good i'm gonna ignore the off the court stuff for the purposes of this discussion
0: all right tyrese maxey versus tyrese halliburton i remember picking tyrese halliburton this is another one that we did two years ago um But this is one of the ones where instead of the last few ones are are sort of competitions and disappointment, this is one that is a competition in terms of how much they both excelled and are now, you know, offensive superstars. So I'm going to stick with Tyrese Halliburton going forward and right now. Ben,
1: do you disagree? This one is pretty interesting to me. I think by all the stats, it's impossible to argue that Maxi has been better than Halliburton. That's just how good Halliburton's been in leading yeah. Indiana. Like, He's, a, he's the number
0: one guy elite. Like his, his offenses have always been elite when he's been on the court. So
1: that's super valuable. So he's awesome. I, I kind of do wonder if these guys swapped places. Like, I, I don't think the Pacers would be better, but I wonder no. if the Sixers would be better. Do you think Halliburton would be better than Maxi next to Embiid?
0: I think he would be, but it would be in very different ways. Um, I don't think he's the driver that Maxi is, but I think he's a much better passer and much better pick and roll player than Maxi is. So I, I think it would look different, but I, I think Halliburton's just the better player here.
1: Yeah, I would take Halliburton, but that was the only thing I was thinking about. Is like Maxi has just thrived, yeah. next to Embiid, and their pick and roll is absolutely lethal. And I, and I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the Halliburton pick and roll would be lethal in different ways. And Maxi's just been such a phenomenal shooter too. That which is super uh, valuable. And um,
0: Halliburton is, you know, one of the best, maybe even better than Maxi as a shooter.
1: So. I yeah. I feel like yeah, I don't believe in Halliburton's I, shot as much. He's more like a Malcolm Brogdon like standstill shooter, whereas Maxie, I, I feel he like he
0: takes them can... off the dribble, step back, all that kind of stuff. And at every yeah. level at every level, every season he's been an elite shooter. So and, and with volume yeah. too. So yeah, it, it looks a little unconventional, but it works. Yeah,
1: that's that's fair. Yeah, it, it's tough to take Maxi here. Right? it's Halliburton. Yeah. Halliburton's just like maybe he's a top twenty player now and for sure. For sure. You know, by <laughs> by next season maybe a top 15 player yeah we'll see we'll see that that's
0: that's a tough group to crack but he definitely could do it the last one here is peak depression we have malachi flynn versus malachi branham malachi flynn as if you listen to this podcast you must be familiar with him he is the depressing raptors backup point guard who's in his fourth year and malachi branham is in his second year on uh he's more of a shooting guard on the san antonio spurs so I think, kind of by default, you have to go with the non Malachi Flynn player here.
1: Um, any disagreement? Yeah. yeah, I've only watched Malachi Branham when the Spurs have played the Raptors, but he looks like he can hit some jumpers and he, looked, he, he looks kind like, of nice.
0: He has He's bigger than Malachi Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> he has
1: a regular NBA guard body as opposed to Flynn, who's practically a midget out there. So. Yeah, yeah, I would take Malachi Branham. I would take anyone that's not Malachi Flynn, to be honest. Although his play, there's been glimpses he's, of solid backup. wing play. awful the last yeah. couple of games. Less awful. but He's actually taking some threes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just still can't I, get to the rim. Yeah, so. or defend. Um,
0: ben, give me our schedule. And then uh, after you've done that, we're going to talk about the newest wrinkle to the NBA, the NBA Cup.
1: All right. So we're going to we're going to go for 2 weeks here since I think we're we're settling into like an every 2 week kind of yeah, podcast schedule here. So Monday night, November 13th, it's against the Washington Wizards at home, follow that up on Wednesday against the Milwaukee Bucks, then Friday against the Boston Celtics, then Sunday we get a little bit of a reprieve and it's just the Detroit Pistons. So that'll be a nice easy dub. Then next Tuesday, <laughs> the, last the, the Orlando Magic. We never beat the Detroit Pistons, but Dwayne, Dwayne Casey is not their head coach anymore. So now there's hope. He's going to be sitting in the stands, though, giving uh, those bad vibes. So We'll see if that carries over to his front office role. Okay. Then, the, so the following Tuesday and Wednesday, there's a back-to-back with the Orlando Magic and Indiana Pacers, and then finishing that off Friday night against the Chicago Bulls. So that's our next two weeks. You know, there there's two playoff teams in there. And then there's like the Indiana Pacers who have been good to start the season. So it's like Milwaukee, Magic. Boston. And yeah. then a tier below is like Orlando, Indiana, and then Chicago, and then like Detroit and Washington are, are bottom of the barrel teams. So I would say all things considered with how deep the NBA is, this is a relatively soft two weeks. Yeah. But there's seven games here. I think you hope that you win at least four of them. I want to highlight here that three of these games are in-season tournament games. The Raptors are one of the last teams to start their in-season tournament games. Those games are every Tuesday and Friday of the week are now slated for in-season tournament. And it's really obvious because the courts are something else. They <laughs> are yeah. colorful. They, cool. The NBA really took a leap here with these courts. And I think some of them are cool. You know, there, there's swings and there's some misses. There's definitely some misses there's, there's, in there.
0: Yeah, there's improvement for next year. I, I like yeah. it as an idea though.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with doing the flashy stuff. I'm gonna go on a total side tangent here, but like the amount of jerseys that teams have is insane. And the jersey turnover, yeah, the turnover, yeah, the turnover from year to year is absurd. You'll have a great jersey one year and then it's just abandoned the next year. Like every single year they have to do a different city jersey. And it's just so dumb. The fact that the
0: Heat can't be using their Miami Vice jersey from like four years ago is just a crime.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you find something that works and stick to it. Like those Utah Jazz jerseys that they had a few seasons ago were fantastic with the different colors going down. Anyways, the NBA needs to figure that out. Cancel Nike as the jersey designers. Like just go back to some traditional jerseys. The teams design their jerseys. But it's Nike that does it all. Like Nike is insisting on these city jerseys. Like they want to sell more jerseys. Oh and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a partnership, but like, yeah. You, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. So, anyways, so Aaron, three in season tournament games over the next two week. Tell me a little bit more about the in season tournament. How does this work? All right. So
0: there are six groups of five teams, three in each conference basically they they do tiers of the previous season standings by by each three teams and so you get one team from each of those tiers in each group so that way you don't end up with you know a group with you know the boston celtics and the four worst teams in the east um so uh in in the raptors group we have the celtics the magic the bulls and i believe the nets as well and so this is you know not a murderer's row in terms of group competition And we start off the tournament uh, against the Celtics. But in how you advance out of the group stage is you basically need to win your group. Um, Eight teams advance. So that's the three group winners from each conference. And then it's the team with the best record. out, Out of all the groups in the conference, that is sort of like the wild card spot there. And point differential is the tiebreaker there. So, you know, if you are... A team that isn't going to win your group, you do want to run up the score in the in the games that you win there, uh, and try to lose by as little as possible as well. And so once we get to eight teams uh, left, it's like the playoffs except we skip around. And so there's a it's one game uh, single single game eliminations. There's going to be the conference semifinals, then there's going to be the finals, and then the uh, the semifinals or sorry the conference finals and the finals take place. I think in Vegas in sort of near the near the beginning of December. And you know, the winner there and, and the runner up both get money. The winner gets more money. I think the players get a million dollars each, which matters quite a bit for the I end think of it's roster guys. Is it 50,0? Okay. Yeah. And the coaches, the coaches also get, get that too. Co- coaches get that too. So, you know, for for the non-superstars, it makes a difference. I think I think players and teams are gonna care because they're just super competitive. They want to win. And I really hope the group stage it is, is just goes pretty chalk. I would love to see a Celtics Nuggets game where both teams are really trying to win to, to sort of be the finals for this for this tournament. That would be amazing. Um, I, I I hope it works out like that, and I hope we get teams that are trying because I think this has the potential to add a lot of spice to the season. Like you said, I think the the courts could use some work. I also think the branding could use some work. I think they should just call everything like NBA Cup group stages in-season tournaments clunky just call it the nba cup brand everything as the nba cup and also why are we doing this in november and early december like we're, we're two weeks into the season and the nba the nba cup has started i think we should do this more in like january february when there's more eyeballs on the nba because the uh because the nfl is basically finished with most of their games I think that would be a good opportunity. Also, like what is the rest of the regular season going to mean? Right. I, it would be cool to me if there's a couple sort of months to ramp up and some some sample size for teams to sort of get into before the uh, the NBA Cup has started. I feel like there's some teams that haven't really sort of figured things out yet um, and they're already sort of being thrust into this competition. So that that's some changes that I would like to see. But overall like i love the idea i love that they're doing it and i think it's gonna be great for for the league and, and you know very entertaining as a fan to to enjoy some hopefully very competitive basketball
1: aaron i've got i've got the answer for you the, the, the solution for the future here just do a cup every two months you have cup one cup <laughs> two cup three cup four and then and then the play you know i would
0: i would be down for two i would be down for two of them
1: Cause yeah, you're right. The the February to like March doldrums are definitely there. It's a, it is a long season. Um, but I but I agree with you. I do think this is a fun idea. The people that are I've seen people poo pooing it and being like this is silly. It doesn't mean anything. The players don't care. You know what? Like if the players don't care, that's just like dumb on their part because it's a it's extra money and you have to play these games anyways. Like why you care about you should care about every game anyways. Like the they do. Playoff standings matter and most players generally do care other than like James Harden. You know, there's a few exceptions out there, but like the NBA is competitive. And I think the narrative that it's like, oh, like, you know, March Madness and like college basketball, they try so much harder. That's just it's just flat out wrong. Like the players in the NBA all are trying so hard every night and it's so competitive You know, and this is just gonna add to that. And I think this really just gives fans more of an incentive to watch. It gives them some like exciting, shiny thing that they can care about. Um, but yeah, like I think it's a great initiative and I'm looking forward to how this plays out. I don't know if the Raptors are gonna make it out of this into the playoffs, which is gonna be sad, but um I mean I think they have a shot to be second in the group. I have a question. Is there since there's five teams per group, yep. Do they play four games in total, or is yes, it a they, round they, robin? You get four games each,
0: and then okay, and then so that is you play every team once, and then that's how you that's how the group stage is determined. So you're guaranteed okay. four games, and then most the you know 22 teams are going to be eliminated after those four games. So like they really each one really does matter, mm-hmm. and you know like the Thunder went 0 and two in their first two games. Like they're done, they're eliminated they're from most. the group stage. Yeah, but what's great is. The remaining group stage games are also regular season games. So they're still going to try because they matter, right? They can't just be like, oh, this game doesn't matter anymore. Well, it's yep. always going to have the floor of being a regular season game. So I, I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah. So essentially, in the Eastern Conference, like to get second, like we're just going to assume the Celtics take care of business and go 4 0. That could very well not happen. But t- probably to get out of your group in the second place, you'd have to go three and one and yep. then beat yep. the other. Three and one teams on point differential. That's yep. what. That's how this is going to work. Out. Okay.
0: Yeah. Or so. I mean, I think it's also possible. You know, the Celtics could drop a game against, let's say, the Magic. They have an off night, right? But if the Raptors, if they lose to the Celtics and the Celtics beat the Raptors, the head-to-head tie is the is the first uh, tiebreaker for the group. So if the Raptors and the Celtics are both three and one, and the Celtics had beat the Raptors, then the Celtics would be first, and the Raptors would be second but but yeah you can lose you can lose one game max in the group stage in my opinion
1: yeah so this boston game you know it's at home the raptors just got spanked by them they're going to come out hot after that disrespect at the end of the game i don't know this you know this could be spicy i i think this the raptors are really under equipped against this team but yes you know there you know there's, a, there's always a chance every basketball game you got you got to play them out you never know what will happen for sure for sure and if the raptors win that game that's potentially huge for their chances at the in-season tournament Indeed. it would be fun if the raptors had a run in the in-season tournament i would love that yeah. this that is would, why it's so fun that. this yeah. is makes yeah. the season more exciting it does it does
0: i just wonder what the, what the season's going to be like when the in-season tournament's over so <laughs> because yeah. it, well, it could, by comparison, make the regular season seem pretty even more dull. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah,
1: we'll have we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. If
0: you want to make sure our next podcast is not dull, you can send us an email. And Ben, where can they send that
1: email to? It's raptorsreviewmail right, Raptors Review Mail at Gmail That's Raptors Review Mail at gmail.com. What? You can really read that. I am. It's a very readable email. Yeah, I'm saying you're doing a great job. It sounds wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you can, you know, I always add it at the end of the description in the podcast description. So you can just click on that link there. Send us an email. It's super easy. Really, we should be getting 10 emails every week. People, step it up. Step it up. More emails. It's just going to be a mailbag every two weeks. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.